The Addiction Podcast, Point of No Return, brought to you by Narcanon Suncoast. Hello, everybody. This is Joni Siegel, and this is The Addiction Podcast, and I am here with my trusty co-host. Jason Good, I'm back. Yay! <laughs> it's been a long time coming. Uh, unfortunately, sometimes things get extremely busy to where I find myself in about 10,000 places at the same time doing about 10,000 different things. But the good news is, is I'm back, we're back in the studio, and we can continue doing what we do, and it's talking about addiction, talking about solutions, talking about stories of success and hope, and giving families out there who are still struggling with a loved one who may be addicted, you know, helping them realize that one, they're not the only ones out there dealing with this, two, there is a solution, and it's not all doom and gloom and it can feel like that in the middle of the whole thing exactly and i can attest to that because i know what my parents went through and i know what countless families i speak to on a daily basis go through and it's interesting it's all pretty much the same thing right so to an extent because it's like you've got a family that's either in it having an apathetic viewpoint of like there's nothing else we can do it, there, it's just, you know, what else? We've tried everything. Nothing will work, blah, blah, blah. And you've got other families who are just like, look, we've tried. We don't know what to do and are more like gung-ho about getting help. But either way, you all, they all go through the same thing. And they have to realize that they can get out of it. It is possible. Addiction doesn't last forever, contrary to popular belief. And we have a viable solution for it. And I think one of the more important things families can do is listen to this podcast and get information, get data, and get stories of hope that will help them help their loved one. Good. Can you guys tell that Jason hasn't been on the podcast for a while? So I have a lot a, to say. So just a reminder <laughs> to everybody, this is episode number 109. We oh, are into our third year. That's unbelievable. And yeah, so uh, we're going to keep doing what Jason just said, bringing the message of hope and help. So today on the podcast, we're doing an interview. Now tell us, can you tell us a little bit about who we're interviewing? Yeah, her, her name's Josie. Okay. And she's a graduate from Narcan on Suncoast. She graduated, I think, almost about two months ago. And I was the person on the phone helping her family try to figure out what to do with her. And, and she'll tell more of her story. But kind of quickly, in a nutshell, it was like she's this young girl. She's 20 years old. She'd been to rehab before. She tried to get sober. She, you know, failed at you know each attempt. The family was pulling her hair out, not knowing what to do. I talked to her mom for hours. And her sister for hours, her dad for hours. And we decided, okay, we're going to do an intervention. But she's not in the mindset of, you know, being able to make some logical decision for herself and in, in her future. And so we sent an interventionist out and the intervention didn't go. And it was this whole thing. She, you know, kind of ran off. And I, you know, for the week that or two that she was gone, I said to her, I was talking to her family every day. I was like, look, it's going to be fine. We'll get her here. Just trust, you know, trust how we're going to do this and, and we'll move forward. Uh, eventually, uh, you know, as every addict does, they run out of gas, money, and resources. <laughs> <laughs> so we got her here. She did a stellar job through the program. And it was interesting because I saw this really scared little kid almost sitting across from me doing her intake. And as she went through each of the steps of the program, like I watched this person become more and more and more alive. Mm -hmm. And that's one of the coolest things about what I do is I see people the day they walk into treatment. Right. I also see the same person the day they walk out of treatment. Right. And so you can't compare the two. Yeah. Um, even after 30 days 
uh, or it was even midway through the sauna detox, her mom came and saw her and just lost it because she was, it was amazing to her how much of a physical transformation this girl made in, in less than a month's time. Yeah. And then as it goes on and on, it's like more and more changes occur. The person becomes more and more themselves again. And then all of a sudden one day you've got a family thanking you right. nonstop because they finally got their kid back. Right. And so right now we're going to talk to Josie and her mom and dad. So awesome. Okay, well, let's get them on the line. So Jim and Nadja and Josie, thank you for being on the podcast today. I really appreciate you joining us. You're welcome. Thank you for asking us. We appreciate actually participating. Absolutely. So Josie, um, I'd like to start with you if it's okay. And yeah. Typically, the way I start is um, I'd like you to tell us your story. How did you get started on drugs? Um, so I guess when I was 15, I started smoking weed. Um, and then as I, I think I turned 17, um, I got a lot of anxiety and I didn't really know how to deal with it. So I started taking Xanax and doing cocaine and at the time, I just thought, you know, I was just being a kid, like everyone does that stuff. And then when I turned 19, it switched to heroin and crack. And after that, it, everything just kind of went downhill from there. Wow. You sound like you're still 15. <laughs> how old, <laughs> how old, do you, how old <laughs> are you now, Josie? Uh, 21. I just turned 21 a couple months ago. Oh, well, congratulations on that. So thank you. So what did you do rehab other than the Narconon program? Did you do other rehab programs? No, I had not done any kind of program before that. Okay. And how did your parents or how did you find Narconon? Um, my parents uh, gave me an intervention they found it online, and then they had called Jason, and they had an intervention with me. And how did that intervention go? Um, not not that good, to be honest. I didn't want to go at first. It took a couple weeks to get there, but in so, the long run. So it's Jim. What happened was we had a, an interventionist come to the house uh, a few days before we actually met with Josie. At this point, Josie actually had walked out of the house to be with her then-boyfriend. Um, she came back um, under the pretense, I think, that she had to get something. I can't even remember. And was just going to shower, and we had the intervention this year. And um, she basically just listened and then walked out and then was gone for a few more weeks after that. And, Josie, you could go on from there. Um. It, like what made you come back? Yeah, so I left the house for a few weeks and uh, my parents tried to do everything to make it as hard as possible to get drugs. You know, they turned my phone off. I didn't have my car, no money. Um, and then I don't, it's just after a few weeks, I kind of realized, you know, I couldn't live my life like that forever. Or I mean, I or I could have went to jail or overdosed or whatever. So I don't know. I just sat there and just realized, like, the only way I'm going to have a good life is if I accept their help. So I called my parents and told them to pick me up, and then we went to Narconon the next day. And when was that, Josie? Um, January 14th, I got to Narconon. Okay. Nadja, when did you realize that 
Josie had a drug problem and like what what were the indicators that you saw or suspected? Well, she was going to college, so she was living on her own at the time, even though she was um, in New Jersey, but she was she had her own apartment. So in the beginning, she really um, played up the whole anxiety thing. So anytime that I saw her and she was looking badly, um, you know, the rings under her eyes, the dark circles that are now, I realize, indicative of heroin use. Um, but at the time, she was just telling me, Mom, I'm just not sleeping because I'm full of anxiety. And um, then I just became suspicious. She just, she just, she posted a picture where she looked, I I thought to myself, I don't even know who this person is. And then I went to her apartment and I banged on the door and she was like, no, 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 you know, go, I'm sleeping. And I said, you need to let me in now. And I came in and I found a needle and she insisted it wasn't hers. Um, but I made her go for a drug test. Well, a drug test, but it, it came back positive for cocaine. Now, at the time, she's like, oh, no, I just did, you know, a little bit of cocaine at a party. And I said, well, you know, and I was like, all right, but you can't do this anymore. And I'm going to drug test you periodically. But then her boyfriend's mother actually contacted me and said, our kids are doing drugs. And I said, I know. And so we both went and did an intervention, our own, and took them out of the apartment and then brought her home in like September. Um, in September. And she was home, well, until, yeah, basically she left the day after Christmas. She walked out. And so, and she, you know, she said, oh, I wasn't doing anything, I wasn't doing anything, up until just a few weeks ago when she finally confessed that, she was doing stuff when she was here before she walked out. Um, so obviously she had, she was going to programs. We were going to, um, what do you call that? Once a week. Like a, yeah. Once a week counselor and stuff like that, but it obviously didn't work. And right. my mother, I, when she walked out, I was just a mess. And, um, my mother actually found, Narconon online and sent an email while I was there and then Jason reached out to me and I have to tell you he I mean I told him when I left there that he is an angel (laughs) because he, he I feel like he helped us step by step by step to get her there to save her so he's he's amazing. He's an amazing, amazing person. Oh, thank I, you. I would agree. I would agree. Jim, when did you realize that there was um, a situation there with Josie? I, I, I honestly would say Nadja realized it first when she did the first intervention at Josie's apartment. Uh, I actually was traveling on business. I was in, in Canada. Um, 
so I wasn't even there when they did the initial intervention, but she was contacting me nonstop. So I would say around that same time, you know, is when, you know, we we both realized she desperately needed help. I mean, we were kind of suspecting because the money, um, she was blowing for money. I mean, we were giving her money for, you know, living on her own, you know, for gas and food and stuff like that. And Josie calls me up, Mom, Dad's giving me such a hard way to go because I'm spending, you know, too much money at McDonald's. And so I contacted Jim and I'm like, why are you busting her chops about that? And he said, Nadia, you don't understand. So when I looked at the, I said, let me look at the bank statement online. And I'm like, are you, what, what are you crazy? There's all these $40 withdrawals. What do you think those $40 withdrawals are for? That's a <laughs> lot of hamburgers. Oh, my God. <laughs> Yeah, so, you know, no doubt we were the enablers, you know, unintentionally, of course. Right. You know, we were paying for her apartment. We were, you know, paying for college. We were giving her money for food and gas. And and, drugs. And, and, you know, now we know and drugs. Right. And then she was working part-time. And what happened was, I was assuming, Josie, I could be wrong, but as the drugs got out of control... Working became harder and harder, I would imagine. Right? Yeah, I ended up quitting my job because I kept going to work um, high, like nodding out, and I just knew it was a matter of time that I was going to get fired or, you know, get caught. So I just kind of quit before they could fire me. So when that happened, you know, we, we were able to really see how fast the money was disappearing because she didn't have the, you know, the money from her job to fall back on. Right. Right. So. So, Josie, the intervention happened, but you listened, and then you left. And then Nadja and Jim, so after um, after that, not the intervention where you went there, Nadja, but the other one, um, mm-hmm. you guys then kind of realized that you really had to cut her loose if you were going to get her back, so to speak. Is is that kind yeah. of what she was talking about when she said all of a yeah, sudden? The- yeah. Well, the interventionist, he was very, very helpful because he really guided us. And, you know, we were at the point that we said, we don't know. We don't know what to do. We've never been in this situation. We have no clue. And even though everything he was, I mean, he was telling us, you have to just basically tell her she is out of your life. And unless she agrees to go to um, to rehab. And even though it was the hardest thing to do I have ever, ever experienced, I said we have to follow his advice because we don't know what else to do. And he was the one who was insistent, don't, you know, just cut her off completely from your life unless she calls you to say, I need help. And that's what we did. And let me tell you, it was a lot of sleepless nights. I can't. It was, I can't even imagine. I, I say, yeah, I would tell, say to any parents that eventually listen to this, it was by far the hardest thing we have ever done in our entire lives. Yeah, harder than burying my parents, harder than watching loved ones suffer with cancer. It was the hardest thing I've ever done in my life. But if we hadn't done it, I am also convinced she would either be dead now or in jail. Absolutely. 
Right. It was it was the hardest thing we've ever done, but it was also the best thing we've ever done. Wow. Without a doubt. I, I can't I can't even imagine I'm a mother and I, I can't imagine and yet I can I can see the need why you'd have to do that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So did one of you go come with her when she came down here? Uh yes, I did. Oh. Um I I flew down with her because at this point the interventionist had left because Josie really stuck it out living on the streets for <laughs> longer than we had anticipated. How many weeks, Josie? Um, How many weeks did you hold out? I think it was three weeks. Okay. All right. Yeah. So, and she was pretty starving and dirty and grungy, right? Yeah. So I, I flew down with her because we told her we would never abandon her and just, you know, dump her. And poor Jason, he got so many phone calls from us every day. <laughs> How's she doing? How's she doing? How's she doing? Somehow I right, don't Jason? think you're the only parent that's ever done that. I just have this feeling. <laughs> <laughs> well, what was it like? I'm shocked you didn't block us. <laughs> <laughs> never, 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 never. Ever. Never. What uh, did you think when you got here? What did, what did you think of the program? What? Who do you want to answer that? Everybody. Everybody, yeah. <laughs> One at a time. Go ahead, Mom. You want, you want me to go first? All right, I, I can start. Um, <laughs> to be honest, like, when I first got there, I didn't think, like, I thought I was going to go there, you know, for whatever amount of time. And I didn't think anything was really going to work. In my head, I was just going there to make my parents happy. But I thought I was still going to want to get high when I got out of the program but it definitely changed my mind as I went through I mean it just it really does like just change your way of thinking I don't even know how to describe it got it well we're going to ask you more I want to ask you more about that but yeah but mom what did you think of the program when you got there just a reminder that you are listening to the Addiction Podcast, Point of No Return. For more information on the podcast, visit us on Facebook, on our Facebook page. For more information on Narconon Suncoast, call 1-877-339-3324. That's 1-877-339-3324. Do you have a loved one struggling with addiction and you've tried everything to help them and failed? We recently discovered that Bobby Newman, a certified drug counselor with 30 years experience and an over 80% success rate as an interventionist, has created a series of 12 videos that you can use right now to learn every step to get your loved one to agree to treatment. Call 1-866-989-4499 today and say podcast and get a 10% discount. Oh, and this service comes with a free hour consultation with Bobby. I have to tell you, I, I used to go visit Josie every Sunday. And as I went, it became, it was a, a family. I mean, the, the people who were there, the, the students or whatever, I don't know what students, the students, as well as the counselors, they were they became a family unit and the the stories that Josie would tell me she would 
constantly tell me stories about not only students but also the counselors and and it was she said mom i you know i laugh and and it's so nice to just laugh like normal laughter wow and so that was really it was it it's a really cool place that's awesome so. jim jim did you come down and visit as well uh not i didn't go down with josie when when they first went down but uh as soon as she went through the detox the withdrawal uh, you know the withdrawal portion of the detox then i also went down we were fortunate enough that we were able to do a short-term rental in clearwater okay so not stayed the entire time and i flew back and forth for three times i guess mm-hmm. not in the in the course of the of the three months and stayed several weeks and um, I will tell you, the biggest thrill I got was the first time Josie called us after she went through the initial detox, and then from there forward, every time I speak with her, every time she would text me when she got out, it always ended with, I love you. Mm. And it was never me saying it first. It was always her saying it to me first. And that was something that we hadn't heard for several years. Wow. Yeah. Wow. So, Josie, you, you, you started the program. Tell us about it. Like, What was your experience through it? Yeah. Um, like every step? Well, let's start off with the thing that everyone is terrified of, drug-free withdrawal. Yeah. <laughs> Um, yeah, it was pretty hard. I mean, I was lucky enough that I was only using every day for a few weeks before I went in there, and I was already on my second day clean when I got there, so I was not with withdrawing that bad. But, um, it definitely, I mean, it it does, like, suck. I'm not going to lie. Like, no one likes withdrawal. Yeah, withdrawal is withdrawal. <laughs> yeah, and, and being in a small little place with everyone else sick around you, you know? But it's kind of, the like, the one thing I can say is when you get out of withdrawal, because of all, like, the rules in there and everything, mm-hmm. it really feels like freedom when you get out. Like, you don't feel like you're in rehab anymore because you're, like, with the whole, you know, everyone else and... Yeah, I, I felt so much better after withdrawal, too. So it was definitely helpful. Once you get out, you feel better. Absolutely. So what, what's your what's your stance on the fact that we didn't give you Suboxone? Oh, I'm so happy. At the time, obviously, I was not happy. And I would have, you know, killed someone for that. <laughs> but <laughs> definitely now, like, you know, a lot of, I have other friends that have gone to other programs. And they're still on Suboxone now. And it's just, it's just another drug you have to wean off from. Mm -hmm. I'm glad I didn't have to go through that. Absolutely. Yeah. Because a lot of people get nervous, like, oh, you don't use Suboxone. How do you get people off opiates? It's like, you just get them off. (laughs) Just get get you off it. (laughs) Handle it once, one step at a time. Stop taking them. You stop. Yeah. Well, we get you through it. And we keep, I always tell people, we keep you as comfortably uncomfortable as possible because (laughs) any way you look at it, withdrawal is terrible. Withdrawal is withdrawal. It's uncomfortable. We got to like manage it kind of each step of the way. It would be unrealistic if you said, oh, it's the the greatest withdrawal ever. Josie, when I've been, when I've been to the um, graduations at Narcanon, when I really notice um, 
you know, the students wanting to really talk about their experiences has been after they've gone through the new life sauna. What was that like for you? Oh, my gosh. Sauna was my my favorite part of the program. I mean, I hate sweating. I hate being hot, like, so much. But it was, it's so crazy, like, how you, you know, you take the niacin and you flush out the drug toxins and then you feel the symptoms of those drugs. I thought that was insane. And I still, after when I was done, I didn't have as much cravings. My night sweats finally stopped, which is a big thing. Um, you're, you know, I took the IQ test after withdrawal and after sauna. My IQ test went up like six points. I guess things that I thought were so confusing before sauna were not confusing at all. I, my brain was just not functioning right, I guess. And I wasn't like lethargic anymore, you know, like dragging, just literally dragging through the day. I was actually felt good. It was just, it was definitely like, it's, I don't know. I try to explain to other people because I know obviously other programs don't have a sauna. I think they should because it was, it's the best part of the program for me at least. Right. Well, it's definitely one of the yeah. things that sets Narcan on aside from apart from any other program because what most people don't know is that the drugs, the residual drugs lodge in the fat tissues of the body. And so if you don't then break down that fat and sweat it out, it can come out when you don't want it to. So it's it's definitely yeah, an important one of the most important parts. My- um, my drug dreams a lot. That is like one of the hardest things for me. And I think for a lot of other people too. And I haven't had a drug dream since sauna actually. Wow. That's actually really incredible. That's great. Yeah, and I think it's interesting. Like yeah. Josie was talking about before when you feel the symptoms of the drugs as they run out, Josie, talk about that real quick. Um, okay. So I know I had ran out weed because I had munchies like crazy. I know that's very common. Um, I had, I think the craziest effect I had was when I ran out crack. I was so, so hyper, like jumping off the wall hyper, sweating. And it's not, I mean, it's not like fun, you know, it's not like the high, it's kind of just the bad parts of it, but you feel, you feel like it's, it's just a cool feeling, honestly, to be able to say you actually like ran that drug out. It's really cool. That's awesome. And what did you feel like when you were done with the sauna detox? I just felt like when I, because when I got a withdrawal, I felt better, but I still felt not myself, like not a normal person. I just still felt lazy and tired and I didn't really like, it was still kind of hard for me to have a conversation because I still wasn't processing things right, if that makes sense. So by the time I got out, I just, I don't know, I felt like I I haven't felt that way since I think I was like 16 since like before I started taking Xanax just felt like I could actually converse with people you kind of got your mind back yeah definitely and that's it's such an important part of going through rehab is being able to think clearly and make good decisions again yeah so how did the rest of the program go for what was that Jim Jason Jason it's Jim just I wanted this to chime in on that when we were doing research on knocking on one of the things that actually was appealing to us was your whole concept of detox because you know we felt very strongly treating a drug addiction addiction with another drug just 
to us didn't seem logical. No. Right. And, right. You know, we it was probably one of the most appealing aspects going into this was that because our fear was we were just going to come out with a drug addict just in a different light. Right. Exactly. You know, with a legal drug. Right. <laughs> Versus right. an illegal drug. Exactly. Right. Exactly. And, um, you know, that's the, that's the mindset we want people to get out of is that you need a drug to handle a drug problem. And it's not realistically the case. Um, so Josie, how was the rest of the program for you? It was good because, you know, once you get out of sauna, you feel better. So you can actually focus on the last two steps, the objectives and life skills. Um, objectives is kind of funny because I feel like if someone watched it from the outside, they would think, we're kind of crazy, <laughs> but, um, but it's like, and even going into it, I thought, I was like, this isn't going to work. Like, I don't even understand how, like what I'm supposed to do. Like I asked people what kind of realizations I'm supposed to have on the objectives. And everyone told me you'll just, you'll know, you'll know because you'll realize something. And I didn't think it was true until like, it kind of took a little bit to get into, you know, you get a couple objectives in, but once I started actually having the realizations and was able to stop them, it was really cool. Actually, like you, you like you remember stuff from years ago that, like, you know, I haven't even thought about, and all of a sudden it would just pop up into my mind. What were some of your realizations? Um, a lot of them were how um, when I was so like. I don't know. I just realized that, like, when I was using drugs, I thought in my head that I was so confident, and that's, like, one of the big reasons I was using, and I think a lot of people, because you feel so confident in yourself, you know, you're not, like, afraid of what to do because you're just all messed up and not really thinking about anything, but I kind of, like, realized that it, like, yeah, I felt confident, but I wasn't really confident. Like, I wasn't really confident in myself. I was confident in my drugged-up self. And it took a lot to, like, realize that it wasn't me and it doesn't have to be me. Like, I can – I don't know. I just gained – I don't know. I gained a lot of confidence in myself and objectives, like, just realizing the things that – you know, I realized why I went to drugs. I realized – um I'm trying to put it in words where like it doesn't kind of get too personal, but I think what you've um, said is huge. I mean, uh, uh, I mean, amazing. I have to say, if I can interject here real quick, um, I remember going because, like I said, I went to go visit her every Sunday, and I remember going to see her probably about halfway through the program, and she was sitting across from me on the bench, and her leg was up her foot was up on the bench and she looked very relaxed and, and sure of herself. And I'd never, ever seen jo Josie like that before. I, I remember even calling my husband and said, wow, it's amazing. She, she looks like she seems like she's grown 10 years in these few weeks. Wow. That she was just so, yeah, like physically and mentally, I was just, I felt a lot better about myself. Yeah, she was just so different. I mean, it was, she was sure of herself. It was, it was just an amazing transformation. 
Wow. Just, That's just, so cool. Just what Josie's doing right now in this podcast, if you would have asked this of her four or five months ago, she would have been, you know, just petrified. Yeah. And she would have been a basket case to even do something like this. That is true. Wow. So just to show you the difference right there. Well, I didn't see you before, but I can tell that you were extremely self-assured and confident. So I, I, can, <laughs> I can third that. Thank you. So what are your plans now, Josie? What's next for you? Um, well, right now, I actually just, I'm from New Jersey. And when I got an Arcanon, I stayed in Florida. And we actually just got back to Jersey today. Um, I'm not staying in New Jersey because it's just not good for me to be around the place that I was using. And, you know, I'm lucky enough that I don't have to stay here. So I am actually going back to Florida. Um, I'm applying to a couple schools there, hoping to get in August. Um, I'm going to try to get a part-time job and just, I just try to be more responsible and like a real adult and, you know, actually do my life right right now. Awesome. That's so cool. And Josie, your life has changed immeasurably. Nadja and Jim, how has your life changed now that Josie's clean? Uh, it's like a weight off of our shoulders that I can't even describe. Um, you know, honestly, we're still cautious. I'll be perfectly frank, right? You know, it's still early in the process since she's gotten out of knocking on. But I could say that, you know, we're very optimistic about the future for Josie. Uh, you know, one of the things when she was in her, the last steps of the program, she uh, had to call Nadja and I and ask us what she, what we wanted for her. And she did it independently. And the first thing we both said was for her to be clean. The second was for her to be happy and just be a productive member of society. And, you know, we're seeing that is back, right? She has a great, you know, at least we hope a plan. It's well, we have a plan. We hope that we, you know, we can, we can fulfill it. A hard to continue you know, her college education to graduate and then, you know, honestly, eventually get a job and, you know, become a normal, responsible adult. And for me, um, the three weeks that we've been together since she was out, um, Josie and I were in the condo ourselves and in Florida. Yeah, in Florida. And the biggest change I've noticed, I mean, with the exception, of course, not having to worry and being able to sleep at night. Um, but the biggest change since she's been clean is that we are extremely comfortable with each other. And before that, she was, and I even said this to her, I said, you know, it's so nice because before I was afraid to say, you know, good morning to you because you would jump down my throat no matter what I said. And I couldn't talk to you about anything because everything that came out of my mouth was you were ag agitated with me. And she said, well, mom, she said, it wasn't you. She said, it was the fact that I had to be with you. And I knew that when I was with you, I couldn't do drugs. 
And all I wanted to do was get away so I could get high. And obviously that is not the case anymore. So it's really nice to get to know her all over again as a person, you know, as a person. Um, it's kind of like you met your daughter again. Yeah, absolutely. Without a doubt. It's, um, it's, it's, and I say it to her all the time. It's so nice how we get along. <laughs> I'm just tired of hearing it. But to me, it's such, such an amazing change in our relationship. It's just wonderful. That's, that's fantastic. That's awesome. That's just fantastic. Um, the way I like to kind of end these conversations is, and I'm going to ask each one of you, um, Josie, if, you know, we've got about 90,000, well, we don't know if 90,000 listeners, but we've had about 90,000 downloads. So for all the people that are listening, what would you want to tell them if they're an addict or someone they know is addicted? What would you want to say? Um. Well, if, you're an addict, I just want to say, I know it seems like it's the only path right now and that no matter what you do, it's not going to get better and you feel like, or you feel like you're doing fine right now and you think, you know, you have it all under control. No one that does drugs or abuses drugs has it under control. You might right now, but I promise you it will not stay like that forever and my advice is to get help while you can before it's too late. And to anyone that is family members or friends with an addict, just I know it might be frustrating because they don't want to listen because I definitely didn't want to listen to anyone. And they might get mad at you, but just I just keep trying to help. I mean, do whatever you can. Look out for the signs. And, you know, if they want help, they will seek it and there's I mean sometimes you can't do more than you're already doing right that's great I love it Nadja what would you like to say maybe to other mothers who are listening to the podcast um a couple of things one if you truly believe your child is using drugs they are. Um, do not be fooled. Um, Josie had me convinced that she wasn't. She had me apologizing for accusing her, which I did, and then feeling guilty because I accused her. And she was, and she even said she felt bad for making me apologize because I was right. So, number one, if you really believe that your child is using, they are. No matter what they say to you, they will tell you, Kim, come, Kim, Kim, come, that they are not, but they are. That's the first thing. The second thing is do not be hurt personally by anything that they say to you um, or when they walk out of the house and leave you for their drugs because it's not their fault. Their drugs take over everything. So don't give up and keep on trying to get them into a program, preferably Narconon, because they're 
program is beyond anything. It's it's the best program out there. It it's really truly the best program out there. It's an amazing program. That's awesome. Jim, you're up. What would you like to say to maybe a dad who might be listening to this podcast? Yeah, so I would say from a dad point of view or from the HSA primary financial caretaker, um, don't be an enabler. I was most certainly a huge financial enabler. Uh, Josie had me convinced that I actually was being terrible, being mean. You know, uh, can't you give me another $10? Can't you give me another $20? Um, you know, you, you know, you know enough to know something isn't right. And as Nadja has said, you know, if you smell it's not right, it's not right. And I think every parent wants to think the best of their children. And you go through a stage of going, no, no, no. My, my child can't be a drug addict. I must be wrong because that's an, an incredibly hard thing to admit. But um, the quicker you admit it to yourself and stop denying it, the quicker you can start taking action. And the other thing I would say is, in going back to the intervention, uh, if it comes to that, and unfortunately I got, I got the feeling that that's not uncommon, um, again, you can't be an enabler. You know, you can't start to say, well, how is she or he eating tonight? Let me just give them $20 for some food. Because the $20 would just go to drugs. It would not go to food. They would still be starving. Or they would spend $19 of the 20 on, on drugs and maybe buy a, a small bag of potato chips. So I would say that that is something that, you know, you, you, you know the signs. And the quicker you start to recognize that you're not you're not wrong, the quicker you can take action. And the quicker you do that, I would think the better success you, you know your child would have. Awesome. Awesome. I mean, I yeah, I think you you basically said it all. Listen, I'm, I'm so glad you guys came on. Yeah, I can't thank you enough for sharing you know your story and Josie's story. I know it's going to resonate with our listeners. I know that there are parents out there who just, you know, like you say, either suspect that their kids are on drugs and haven't fully admitted it to themselves yet, or maybe they've finally gotten to that point and they just don't know where to turn and don't know what to do. And I really appreciate you guys sharing your story. You're very welcome. You know, any time. Awesome. Anytime at all. I'm so glad you guys came on. I think your story is amazing because yep. there are Nadja's, Jim's, and Josie's. Yep. all over the world right now yes exactly oh, yeah unfortunately that's true hopefully yep. we can help uh, you you have just by sharing your story you mm -hmm. absolutely have without a doubt thank you guys so much i so much appreciate you guys being with us you're very very welcome thank, thank you. you well that was a pretty amazing story it's awesome i'm still getting goosebumps they're coming in waves it was, it was like such an amazing story because they went through what lots of other families go through and it's like you hear it right from them like this is what happened it's like no sugarcoating right this was the situation yep um and i think for me what i want most of the families out there to get 
out of this story is that your intuition is always correct. As a mother and a father, if you think something's wrong, it is. Right. Period. Uh, and, and Josie, just like me, just like countless other addicts out there, will do anything to protect their addiction. Right. Meaning, I get families that will call and they say, oh, well, he or she, you know, is shooting heroin and smoking meth and taking pills, but they're just in such denial that they have a problem. And I'm like, that's not what you're looking at. They're trying to convince you that they don't have a problem, so you back off. But there's no addict that sits back and shoots drugs and smokes drugs and does what they do who really doesn't realize that they have a giant problem. There's no addict that no, there's no addict that thinks that realistically. The denial that comes up that oh I don't have a problem, you guys are crazy, go away. All that is a is a way of the addict protecting the addiction. It's not like they really actually believe they don't have a problem. They're trying to convince you as the family that they don't have a problem to leave them alone. That's what I, people really need to understand is your intuition as a parent are correct. Yep. And to know that interventions work. Yep. Because without the, that intervention, even though it took three weeks. Right. It worked. It wouldn't have, she wouldn't have come. That's right. She would never have made it to treatment. She would never be sober now. She would never, we never would have been able to interview her parents. There's a misconception that intervention is a one day affair. You go in, do the intervention, everyone's crying and hugging, and then you go to treatment. 99% of the time, yeah, 99% of <laughs> the time is not how an intervention goes. This is usually how an intervention goes. The addict walks in, the whole family's standing there, and the guy stands up who they don't know and says, hi, I'm so-and-so. Your family would like to talk to you, and they're like, yeah, no, and they turn around and walk out. And then the, and then the act, that's why I say now the intervention starts. Right. Now it's like, it's like kind of like hostage negotiations because you're trying to negotiate the hostage, which is the addict, away from the addiction. Right. And I, th- and I say that very metaphorically, but it's also <laughs> like, you know, if you think about it, it is, it's kind of like yeah. hostage negotiations. Yeah. And it's like, that's when the real intervention starts. That's when the addict really starts to show what's going on. And sometimes interventions take a while. Yeah. And our interventionist will take it as far as it can go for that time. And then, like she said, the interventionist left, but he stayed in touch with her and counseled Nadja and counseled Jim on what to do, how to do it, and... Stay they, strong. They, and don't yeah, they had to make the hardest decision yeah. any family has to make, and that's like, not turn your back on your child. I don't want anyone to hear that. That's what happened. It was don't make it easy for them to continue using. Right, right. And it is going to be the hardest thing you do as a family. My family had to do the same thing. I was homeless for three days. She yeah. did for a little bit longer than me, and okay. <laughs> um, but it, you get to a point where you don't want to make it easy for an addict to continue using, and they took every piece of advice that was given to them followed through with it now they've got a sober daughter right now they've got their all their lives back right there's no priceless no yeah, there's, it is a priceless a commodity that. yeah. yep that's right and i want any family out there thinking about maybe i should after listening to that you know maybe i do have to do something it's not a maybe you need to yeah. go go do something i prefer you call narcan of course Call whoever you're comfortable with. If right. you want to find out more about us, call us. Yep. Um, the number is... one eight seven seven three three nine three three two four. And the website's uh, narcononsuncoast.org. That's right. If you want a free, uh, just like a basic confidential consultation call, I'll help you. Like I help them. Like I help everyone. I want people to get clean because I always say no addict has to die as a result of their addictions. Any that do is in vain. Yep. And That's so right. I hope we've brought some hope. To some people out there, 
I hope that people are a little bit more gung-ho about doing something. Exactly. And then we'll come back next week. We'll talk again next week. As we do. You have been listening to the Addiction Podcast, Point of No Return. For more information, call 877-339-3324 or visit www.narcononsuncoast.org. Narconon is a non-12-step rehabilitation program based on the works of L. Ron Hubbard. 